into stoppage time. So we are delighted on this Forest Fancast Stoppage Time special to talk with the voice of Nottingham Forest, the man who has been commentating on the Reds for over a quarter of a century now. It's ridiculous to say out loud. Uh, A gent who has been uh, particularly important to me, being this side of the pond now, and to many of our listeners, I'm sure. I am, of course, talking about the inimitable Mr. Colin Frey. Hello, sir. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Absolutely. It's fantastic. So I was joking with you off mic. Um, It's kind of like a video game. You're the end boss. (laughs) <laughs> battle DJ I'll try, I'll try and, not to be that evil <laughs> <laughs> and chippers um, I don't know what we did to chippers but shortly after he spoke with him he said he was going to Australia so oh right okay you're the ones who've seen him off <laughs> actually as we long have, as we know <laughs> actually we have a bit of a conspiracy theory going here that it's match day with Max <laughs> yes he's, he's gunning <laughs> for all of your jobs Colin <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. You are the voice of Nottingham Forest, and very distinctive it is too. Um, I don't know if you heard this earlier in the season, but uh, there were some commentators. Come, I think maybe it was QPR carrying an away game, and one of the commentators kind of sounded a lot like you. And all the Forest fans were commenting, "Oh, he's trying to be Colin Frey." <laughs> Your voice is so distinctive. How does it feel to be the voice of Nottingham Forest? Uh, well, it feels a bit strange, to be honest. It, I mean, it, it's obviously not, it's it, it just something that comes with time. So it just basically, I suppose, means that I'm getting old, really, is <laughs> it's kind, of, kind of what it means. I've been doing it for so long that it, uh, that it means I'm, I'm quite old now. But um, I mean, it, 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 whenever anybody uses that phrase, it's very humbling because, you know, I'm, I was a Forest fan and used to stand on the trends end when that was still a terrace and then had a season ticket for a bit. And, and, you know, so so to be given that title, you know, any any sort of title to do with the club you supported, and and a club with such rich history and tradition and all that sort of stuff, um, you know, an institution which is huge and so important to so many, it's kind of it's kind of a bit humbling, really, when when people give you those sort of tags. But um, as I say, it, it it just means that they've been doing it for a long time. Well, I'm turning into an old man. <laughs> Not only that, but it means you've been doing it brilliantly for a long time. Um, uh, Thank you. And I have to say, you keep saying you're getting old now. Again, we joked about this off mic. Um, <laughs> I suggested there must be a really gnarly looking portrait up in an attic somewhere because you don't have a wrinkle on your face. You, you look like you just come out of flipping high school. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Especially well, working with a team like Forest, how do you not really look greyer? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's plenty of grey hairs here. To be fair, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's hardly been without its stresses covering Forest for the last no. quarter of a century. That's for sure. It's not exactly been the best quarter of a century in their history. No, which is you know we have to say is nothing to do with you, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope not. I hope not. Now, one of the things that you will have accrued over the last 25 plus years um, is, of course, uh, relationships with the players. I'm sure, of course, you try and maintain a professional distance. But nonetheless, I think it's difficult uh, not to be fond of certain players. And I've been talking with Chippers and the other gents. You know, there are certain, uh, we asked them the same question, and there were certain players that they really gravitated to, not just because of their output on the field, but because yeah. of some kind of a personal connection. So I'm curious, which Forest players down the years have you developed a particular affection for? I think, um, I think the, the first one, uh, whose uh, time at Forest kind of coincided with when I was starting. Um, I mean, I went to see this guy play in a pre-season friendly. It was the first time I'd seen him after Forest signed him. 
which was at Lincoln, and he scored a hat trick in a, I think it was a five-one win or something. And uh, and I remember coming away from that game and thinking, this guy is something that we have never seen before in a red shirt. Um, and Stan Collymore obviously went on to score so many goals for Forest over those two seasons. But not only that, he was a really nice fella behind the mic, off the pitch. Um, always had time for for the likes of us pestering him for interviews because you know he was he was the massive name in that side for two years because of all the goals he was scoring. Mm. And so everybody wanted a piece of him, but he always had time. He always had time for that. Um, and uh, and I appreciate that a lot. And not only that. You know, it's all very well having time for people and having time for the likes of us asking for interviews and stuff, which is great. But it was also really interesting to talk to him. He had a really good insight into football. Obviously, he's got his own, you know, internet radio talk show these days. He's he's become a bit of a love-hate figure over the years with with many football fans. I know that. But, um, you know, you, you kind of, you take as you find. I did a, a, a speaker's evening with him probably a year or so ago and he was still just the same then you know really friendly really chatty um lots of great stories to tell uh and so you know he was a terrific footballer to watch and yeah. as I say something something special something that we, we we haven't seen before you know with everything great that went before at Forest this was a kind of footballer we hadn't seen before in the red shirt. You know, he, he had so much going for him, so much about him on the football pitch. And then to, to kind of get to know him a bit and to realise he was a really nice guy as well. I mean, clearly he had his issues later in his career after his move to Liverpool and, and, and his, you know, his life has not been straightforward. But at the time, uh, he, was, uh, he was a great guy to deal with. And, and as I say, interesting to talk to as well. Uh, very well-spoken very yep. polite, lots of time. Uh, and so, you know, it's people like that who kind of make the job fun, really. I mean, it's very, you can you can get, you have your interviews and, it, you know, it's very easy to get a, a run-of-the-mill three-minute pre-match or post-match interview. So when you've got somebody who is enthusiastic about what he's doing, enthusiastic about what he's talking about, brings up different subjects, um, it, it, it's a real bonus for people like us um, to sort of feed off and those interviews become a little bit different, a little bit more special. And most of the interviews we did with Stan during his couple of years at Forest were in that category. Um, I think coming more up to date, Chris Cohen is a very similar kind of figure. You know, in uh, love Chris Cohen, to, love Chris. Yeah, Cohen. I mean, you know, certainly Forest through and through. Yeah, uh, club captain. I mean, so. Uh, so heartbreaking for him, really, the, the, the fact that he had to finish so early and all those knee injuries that he got. Yeah. Um, and again, such a nice chap off the field and, and terrific to deal with and, and still is now when you bump into him at the city ground, always got time for a chat. Um, and along similar lines, always made for an interesting interview because he had something to say. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to see his career have to end and see the agonies he went through with all his injuries that was heartbreaking really would have been for any player but for one who clearly is so passionate about the club and such a nice fella as well that was uh, that was even worse really to, yeah. to you know it shouldn't happen to the nicest guys and it, it did and that's a real shame but it's great that Forrest has still got him there and they're still using his uh, you know his experience his expertise all the rest of it to, to bring the young players through and I think you know, I'm going on for ages here, so apologies. But I think <laughs> it's great. that sort of brings me on to to the next uh, category of people, and I, and I wouldn't want to pick individual names out here. But what I would say is, 
what Gary Brazil and, and his staff and and, uh, and now Chris Cohen is part of that, what they do so well is not only bring through good footballers, mm-hmm. but they bring through really nice, pleasant individuals, polite, yeah. well-spoken, um, people who, as I've said about those other two players, who think about the game a little bit and uh, and generally are a, a pleasure to talk to. And, and, you know, you see these players coming through the academy and you wonder... You know, what, what they're going to be like the first time you put a microphone in front of them when they're 18, 19 and just got into the first team. And, and almost without exception, they are, you know, they're very well-rounded individuals and, and can handle themselves in interview situations. And uh, and I think that's, you know, that's as well as producing good footballers, they're producing good people at the academy as well. That should be applauded, I think. Yeah, and that's something, you, I mean, you're echoing something I think that, was, that Chip has said as well. You know, when you look at the likes of Cashy and Yatesy and, um, and Joe Worrell as well. Yeah, you know, Worrell, you, yeah. Yeah, you absolutely see that. And I wonder as well, what kind of influence Michael Dawson has had on those those young men as well? Because Michael Dawson, even still to this day, what is he now in his yeah. mid-30s, yeah. just plays with a smile on his face. Now, I know he's a warrior. I mean, I know he he's taken no prisoners. I think he comes across as... You know, he comes across as maybe a little more laissez-faire than he actually really is. He's a competitor for sure, but he has, he just seems like a, such an upbeat spirit, plays with a smile on his face, seems like a genuinely good bloke. And of course, he came through the academy as well. So I'm wondering if he has an influence also. Yeah, I think he does. I think he's another one who has kind of got the club at heart, really. I know he spent yeah. a lot of years away from the club, but having come through and, and, and again, you, you know, you go back to his sort of era and the players, even then that were coming through the academy, you know, him, uh, uh, Jermaine Genus. I mean, oh, you, only, yeah, JJ, you, look yeah. at, you look at him both as a player and, and as a person, and, and you know the the, the kind of uh, broadcasting career that he's gone on to have after he had to finish playing as well. It shows you that that he's one who also thought about the game and um, and was a really well-rounded individual coming through the academy. Uh, Andy Reid is another one, you know, terrific to speak to, lovely yeah. to deal with. Yeah come through the academy. Gareth Williams at the time was was a real pleasure to deal with. I mean, he, he was... Underrated, uh, very really underrated player. In tr- a terrifically underrated mm-hmm. player, yeah. I, I mean, I thought crucial that season that, mm-hmm. that uh, they got to the playoffs and, and but for Michael Brown's free kick, might just have gone to Wembley, but you know, let's, let's not dwell. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, you know, so, so you can go back through the years and, and you know, the, the academy has produced not only great players, but good people as well. And to come back to your point about Michael Dawson, you know, from the moment he returned to the club, again, he was a pleasure to deal with. You know, he was time before he left as well, but there's a lot, you know, there's lots and lots of years that had elapsed since. And, you know, to see him at, uh, at, at, uh, at the car park, as I did the first time after he'd uh, re-signed, he was doing some interviews. He was out doing some community work, which kind of says it all, but he was also doing some interviews. And he saw me across the car park. Hey, Colin, how are you doing? <laughs> but, you know, after, what, eight, ten years or something, I've not seen the guy, not spoken to the guy. And, uh, and that kind of sums him up. But the other thing that sums him up, which uh, kind of comes back to the spirit I think Forrest have got this season. He's obviously a bit in and out the side, more so than I think many of us thought, uh, which is uh, which is all credit to, to the likes of Warren and Figueroa. I think we all thought that, that Dawson would be kind of the key man this season. And, and when he's played, obviously he's playing really well, but the others are playing well as well to keep him out. Um, but you see him around the, the club on match days. And, you know, if he's on the bench, he is the substitute that is really geeing everybody else up. You know, he's going through his pre-match exercises and all the rest of it, laughing and joking, smile on his face, geeing everybody else up. There's no sense of, I'm really 
miffed here because I'm not in the team. I, you know, I should be in the team and I'm, you know, I'm getting angry about it. Absolutely, completely the opposite. You know, he's, he seems as if he's a real joy, brings a real joy to, to the squad. And, and I think that speaks a lot about how together the squad is. If you've got characters like that who are, you know, such effervescent characters, effervescent people and, and happy people, even when they're not playing, and you know that they want to play, you know he wants to be in that team every week. And yet, you still got this this real spirit about you that is just infectious, and I think I think it's um, it, it, it's probably because of, but it's also uh, a, a real sort of indication of how close they are and, and, and how good a unit that that Sabri Lamusi's gotten it together there this season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks to our listeners for staying tuned into the uh, third hour of my talk with Colin Frey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's still great kindred spirits, my friend. for me to go on. I do apologise. No, talking <laughs> about kindred spirits, I am absolutely loving this. <laughs> I was so excited about this interview and about getting this set up because... You know, I do this podcast with two other gents, both of whom are fantastic, Corey and Jordan. Corey's an American, one year into his his forest ship. Uh, he's right, just fresh yeah. out of the academy, so to speak. Yeah, um, absolutely. I'm sure he's yeah. a really nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> Well-rounded individual. He's, yeah. he's, a, he's a trier. He's just like a like a puppy, <laughs> like a puppy just off the leash. And then I have, and then I have Jordan, um, who is died in the wolf forest, English lad, but much younger than me. So I think sometimes they look at me like the old man of the group, you know, who's harking on about the good old days. And and here I am chatting to somebody who's actually forest fan of of of, uh, of a number of years or so, and knows the team inside and out. So this is a real joy for me. You know, it's interesting with Chrissy Cohen. Uh, I mentioned I've been following Forest for a long time. My first year of following the team coincided with their first European Cup. Um, so I've seen some, definitely seen some good times. But one of my fondest moments as a fan was seeing Chrissy Cohen smacking that fantastic goal upon his return. Was it Ipswich? It's Ipswich. Yeah. Oh. Up. oh, that was magnificent. And also yeah. as a player, I wore number eight. That tended to be Glenn's right, okay. number. And I was, uh, I, I all buy Forest jerseys. I will buy England jerseys, but I kind of have this thing. I never buy jerseys with names on the back. I just, right. it's just not me. But uh, Chrissy Cohen is one that I do have. You did, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> because I was just so happy for him, like you said, because of everything yeah. he'd gone through. He yeah. was, he was the embodiment of all that was good of our team. And so to have him come back and have that moment, it was yeah. so brilliant. It was such an important game as well. It's yeah. such an important goal. Yeah, Same absolutely. game as Gordon Smith made that save that you know is often underrated and undervalued, but really shouldn't be because if Forrest had gone one mil down at that point, then I, I dread to think what might have happened absolutely. in that game and that day. Um, and uh, you know, on, on such moments like that, does history change? So Jordan yeah. Smith's save and Chris Cohen's goal that day, well, you're right, they're, they're, albeit not necessarily for the right reasons, but they're very special moments in Forest history, those two. Well, you mentioned that uh, that, that goal uh, helped ensure that Forest did not get relegated. Let's focus instead, though, on promotion, given that we are threatening it this season for the first time in a long time. I'm wondering, though, Colin, as long as you've followed the team and commentated on the team, every fan has an opinion on why Forest haven't gotten closer to promotion um, yeah. over recent years and some suggest it's ownership some suggest it's lack of investment some suggest it's the revolving door of managers it's the wrong acquisitions in the playing staff um, what are your thoughts what do you feel are maybe the, the one or two key reasons that Forest have continued to stumble and we'll come on to it in, in a moment maybe why they've gotten it right this year but what do you think yeah. have been those barriers to progress in the past 
I think I'm very much in the camp that it's too many managers. Mm, it's it's too, too much change, not enough stability. Um, I, I think, you know, you, you look at some of the decisions are understandable. Some of the, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that. <laughs> that really makes sense. <clears throat> you know, some decisions <laughs> you can completely understand. Um, so it's not, uh, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, Frank Clark was there for a couple of years after Brian Clough and he should still be the manager. It, you know, it doesn't work like that. Right. Sometimes. Um, but, you know, there are, there are also some where I just think way too hasty. I, I just think, you know, it's, it's change for change's sake. Uh, not only is it change for change's sake, that change brings, a, you know, comes with a, a detriment to what happens from then on. And, and I think, you know, Forrest were getting through so many managers. There was one stage, forgive me, I can't exactly remember who was the manager uh, who most recently come in. But I remember looking at the squad, the first team squad, and there were his first team squad as the new manager was made up of players signed by eight different managers. Wow. <laughs> That's eight different managers, uh, you know, who are recruiting players to fit into their style. Right. Each one has a different style. Each one is being recruited to do a certain job for a certain manager. And suddenly you've got a manager in there who has to deal with a squad that's been put together by eight different managers. So you've got, let's say there were 30 in the squad. I don't know, there might have been 30 in the squad. That means you've got four players, four lots of eight, say. It didn't work out exactly that in terms of the maths, but you've got Four players brought in by one manager, four by another, four by another, four to do this job, four to do that job, four to do that job. You've got eight different playing styles yeah, in the absolutely. squad. And you're trying then as the eighth manager or ninth to come in and bring those all together. And you're asking the impossible. You're absolutely asking the impossible with that. And, and I think, you know, so I, I think that sort of exemplifies this constant change or that constant change over a manager that, that Forrest had for far too long. And, and the big one for me, I talked about how some of them you can understand, some of them it's just time, but some of them just seem way too soon. And the big one for me that I always describe as kind of like the sliding doors moment is Sean O'Driscoll. Mm -hmm. Sean O'Driscoll, uh, first few months under Fawaz or Hazawi and, and the Q80s who'd come in in the summer, we were told, slow build, slow building blocks, just we'll put the building blocks in place. There's no rush. We don't have to get into the Premier League this year. Great if we do, but if not, it's just a slow process. And everything seemed to be absolutely fine. And, you know, they beat Leeds, which is very topical. Uh, they hammer Leeds under Sean O'Driscoll. They play some great football. They move to within a point of the playoffs. Everything seems to be coming together. And then he gets the sack. Um, and that was on Boxing Day. And the result against Leeds wouldn't have mattered anyway because I found out afterwards they were going to sack him on Christmas Day, uh, but nobody would actually do it. Um, oh, so, <laughs> well, they did just refuse. The guys that they, they asked to, to say, you know, they, the owners said, you need to sack him. And the guys just refused. They said, no, I'm not doing it on Christmas Day. Right. So that, the decision had been made before the Leeds game, which kind of, you know, explains why a manager was sacked after they'd hammered Leeds and scored four and played really well. The decision was already made, but, the point is, if, and the reason the decision was made is because the goalposts had changed. They've decided, actually, no, we do need to get in the Premier League this year, and this guy is probably not the guy who's going to 
who's going to do it. We need a guy who's been there and done it before. We need a guy who's got Premier League experience. So they went and got Alex McLeish, and and that was the reason for the change. And we all know what happened then because Alex McLeish didn't last very long and then Billy Davis came back and I'm not going to go into that in any sort of detail whatsoever, but we saw what happened to the club for the next, you know, however many years. Whereas had they left Sean O'Driscoll in charge, seventh, with that slow, patient, put the building blocks in place, a transfer window around the corner being that January was just coming up, they're a point outside the playoffs, we got a manager who plays lovely football, the crowd like him, they like the way they're playing football, why don't we just let him get on with it? And I, I always wonder, I always wonder what would have happened had yeah. they left Sean O'Driscoll in charge that season. And he really is the, the, the big example. I mean, I think there have been others. I think Dougie Friedman was really hard done by. Mm-hmm. Uh, having, uh, and I know he split fans uh, because the football wasn't great, but he deserves a lot of credit because he was the one who had to pick up the pieces after the embargo. He didn't have money to spend to bring players in. He wasn't allowed to bring players in uh, because of the transfer embargo. And, and what he did keeping Forrest up that season was little short of a miracle, frankly, with, with, the, with the resources available to him. Um, and I thought once they'd come out of embargo, he deserved a little bit of money to spend to see what he could do. Because I, I think agree. if he had, and he'd brought some players in, then I'd have think you'd have seen far more expansive football played by Dougie Friedman. And the criticism that's always levelled at him is that it was, his football was dull and negative. The point is, it had to be, because it was the only way. He realised that if he kept playing attacking football Forest were getting pulled apart every week Yeah, and the only way they could get results to stay up was to go defensive and pinch a 1-0 and he realised that and he did it and he put the tactics in place to make sure Forest stayed up with no resources and and I think he deserves credit for that and I don't think he gets it enough Yeah, yeah I agree that's Everything you said, 100% on board. And, and it's interesting because my next question was going to be, okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot. Which is the one manager that should have been given more time? You already headed me off at the pass. So. <laughs> Sorry about that. Excellent <laughs> anticipation. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent anticipation. So let's talk about the, the current incumbent of the manager's chair, yeah. uh, a gentleman yeah. who we all knew very little about, I think, yeah, before absolutely. he arrived at the city ground. Uh, what are your thoughts on Lamucci? And in particular... He seems to have a, 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 certainly he's recruited well. I mean, he's certainly brought quality to the team in terms of playing staff, but his focus also seems to be very much on ensuring the right attitude, ensuring that we develop the camaraderie. I'm going to use that broad strokes word, culture. He seems very focused on and committed to in creating the right culture at the city ground. So it'd be interested in your observations on Lamucci. Yeah, I mean, I'm hugely impressed, really impressed with him. Um, I think to go back to, to one of the earlier questions, he's a fascinating guy to talk to. Um, he's, he's a really, he's a nice guy um, and he's a fascinating guy to, to chat to and to kind of listen to what he's got to say. I think recently, particularly some of the interviews that he's given, uh, particularly the, the sort of rallying call after the one all draw at home to Reading a couple of weeks ago. The, the nine minute uh, The nine minute But I mean, <laughs> the way he spoke, he's so passionate. so passionate and he he kind of it was almost as if he was speaking directly to every Forest fan Uh, and I think to to have picked up on that and to be so um, so on the money with his tone and and the way he spoke uh, and and, you know it had the desired effect I think anybody who heard it couldn't fail to be lifted after the disappointment of conceding that late equaliser to Reddy Um, and, and, and to get that, I, I said afterwards in a, in a podcast, I think, I said, 
what it showed to me is that he gets it. He gets Forest and he gets Forest fans. He gets what they want. And to have done that in six, seven months, however long it is he's been here, six, seven months, I think is is real testament to him. He's really he's kind of bought into the club. He's bought into the fans. Um, he's got That's a really remarkable. good rapport with the fans, um, and he's learned a lot. He's learned a lot about Forest. He's learned an awful lot about the Championship. And he did it very quickly, um, uh, and so I think tactically he's astute. He's aware, um, and, and I think he, you know I, I think he. I think he deserves a lot more time. <laughs> Going back to our, our question of a couple of minutes ago, um, you, you just kind of think whatever happens this season, and I know he's, he's out of contract at the end of the year, whatever happens this season, they've they got to stick with him, haven't they? I mean, I, I, I just think he's, he's, got, he's got everybody bound together, club, fans, team, uh, within the squad, he's got players happy. It's, you know, we're we're way over halfway through the season now, and players that aren't in the first team on a regular basis are still happy. Um, and when they do come in, they're putting their all in, and you can see that we're all playing for each other. So he's he's very he's clearly very good at motivating and man management, morale, all that sort of stuff. Um, tactically, he's aware. He seems to have a good recruitment team in place. Uh, we hope that you know the likes of De Costa and Diacarbi can can do what the likes of Silver and So and Bree Samba, uh, Yuri Ribeiro did as, as being brought in in the previous transfer window. Um, and, and so I, I, it just it feels right at the moment. It feels good. And, and it feels as if they've got a, a manager, a head coach in place now that has really bought into the club in a very short space of time. But not only that, he's got some real quality as well because, you know, it, it's all very well. A bit like what we were talking about with, with players coming through the academy. It's all very well being a nice person, but you've got to be able to do the business on the pitch as well. Yeah. And with Sabri Lamushi, yes, you can, you know, you can, you can play the PR game. I don't think he is, but certain managers can play the PR game and, and get the fans on board, but actually not really be producing the goods on the pitch. With Sabri Lamushi, he is producing the goods on the pitch, which has then brought the fans on board. Um, and so he hasn't got to play a PR game because at the moment everybody is is kind of on his side and and is with him and pulling together and and that's when you have everybody pulling together that's when you get success and you know rather than again going back over the ground that we've already covered you know factions behind the scenes saying let's get rid of this manager and some saying no let's keep this manager and and the club always it seems being on the, the on the verge of fracturing. Now it's very much together. And, and I think Sabri Lamushi and those that are in charge at the moment as well have kind of got to take a bit of credit for that. So we talked about giving managers more time. We have this curious situation with Lamucci. As you mentioned, his contract expires at the end of the season. Not really hearing much about that. Well, he's, he's the most successful forest manager of recent times. Yeah. Uh, it's just odd to us, I think, as, as a fan base that you know, he, his contract is due to expire at the end of the season. We're not really hearing talk of what's going to happen next. Do you think he's edging his bets? Is he, he's come out and said a couple of times, obviously in interviews, that his focus this season is just keeping his job, which I think yeah. is rather tongue-in-cheek, but reasonable. Um, yeah. what, what, how do you read into all that? Um, I, basically, he, he comes across, whenever he is asked about it, he comes across as very happy with the situation, very hmm. at ease with the situation, very comfortable with the situation. Um, many of us would perhaps not understand that that uh, that feeling, that 
you know, effectively could be out of work by whatever happens this season. Effectively could be out of work on the whenever the contract ends. The of June, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the end of June, I think football contracts run out. Um, and and for for many of us, that would be a a real sort of panicky sort of situation where we're thinking, well, what's the future? I think. I think he does have a lot of belief in his own ability and he's, he can back that up. You know, he can back that up. He got Ren into the, um, into the Europa League and, and finished high up in the French League and now he's come into this very competitive division and he's doing well with Forrest, better than many other managers over recent years have managed to do with Forrest. So, you know, he, he can back up his uh, confidence and his belief in his own ability with some good statistics as well. So I think he, he does have that faith that even if it, even if he's not going to get a contract at Forest, he'll get a contract somewhere. Yeah. But equally, I think, you know, I take him at face value when he says things like, it's not about me. It's about the success of the football club. Um, and, and, you know, he's, he, he just seems very, very comfortable with focusing, as he says, on the next one and the next one and the next game. And, and I, you know, I, I think... Many of us would think of it as maybe short-termism, but I just think he's quite happy. I yeah. just think he's quite happy with that. And if at the end of the season, whether they've gone up or not, somebody comes along and says, do you want to sign again? I'd like to think at the moment he would say, yeah, okay, where's, where's the pen? We'll, we'll sign again. Um, but I don't think he's in any real, hush, any real hurry or rush to, to do it now. You know, he's yeah. not holding the club to ransom about a new contract or anything like that because he's so focused on getting Forrest promoted and, and winning the next game, yeah. which, as we thought, is Leeds. So it would be a good one to win. Um, it would be, absolutely. I just, I just think he's very, very relaxed about the whole situation. And, you know, as I say, many of us, that would be an alien feeling to many of us, myself included. Um, but he's just laid back. Yeah. He's, he's laid back and relaxed about the whole situation. Don't see he, many of them in football. Don't you see many you don't. Like no, I'm, I'm thinking about the, was it Alan Pardew who got the, was it the seven-year, eight-year contract in Newcastle? Or? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. that You you, meant, you alluded to it earlier. I mean, he, he spoke earlier in the season about there's no point having a long contract at this football club. Right. Because yeah. of what we've gone, you know, we, he, he's talked about what we, what we talked about earlier in this piece, that, you know, managers don't survive a year at Forest. So, yeah. okay, I've got a year's contract. Well, let's see if I can do that year first and then, and then think about what might happen next because nobody here lasts a year. Yeah. So that was, you know, you're right. It was probably a bit tongue-in-cheek when he was talking about it, but, you know, he's he's not daft. He's seen the longevity or the opposite of that of, uh, of Forest managers over recent years. So I think, you know, if, if Sabri Lamushi was given... Uh, you know, a three, four, five-year contract, would it actually mean much? Yeah, no, I mean... I mean, in, in terms of football these days, if, if okay, let's let's say, let's say Forrest miss out on promotion as a, as a hypothetical. We all hope that's not going to be the case, but let's say they do. And Sabri Lamushi has still not been offered a new contract at Forrest and a team from the Premier League comes in and says, you did a really good, good job last season, we want you. Uh, and, and put that same scenario in whether or not Sabri Lamouche has already signed a three-year contract at Forest or hasn't got a contract at Forest. Is it going to make much difference to his decision at the end of the day? Uh, and I think, you know, in football these days, contracts are worth very little. Um, 
And I think probably he realizes that. Yeah. And he might well have a piece of paper that says you've got a, a three, four, five year contract. But actually, if he wants to move on, he will. Yeah. And if they want to move him on, they will. So yeah, it might give him a bit of compensation. But if he's relaxed about not having that compensation in there, then that's probably why he's relaxed about not having a, a contract at length. Yeah. When you said longevity and then you said the opposite of that, my, I couldn't help it. My mind suddenly went to what is the opposite of longevity? And I'm, I'm going to yeah, go with non-longevity. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Only because I remember you and Chippers creating words earlier in the season. Um, Christiv <laughs> has stuck with me. Christiv is, was a good one. Do you remember yeah. that? Brilliant. Yeah, all right well as we uh, as we head into the home stretch here on this piece colin uh colin frey of course bbc radio nottingham and commentator voice of nottingham forest every home game at the city ground um we have something we've done with everybody we've spoken with from nottingham colin which is uh we have these rapid fire what is it one two five or six questions i think rapid fire okay put you on the spot Okay. Don't want you to think about this too much. It's, you know, cat or dog situation, right? So right. just from the gut, first thing that comes to you, okay? You ready? Yeah. All right, here we go. go on. Home shirt or away shirt? Home. Ooh, okay. And that's actually, that's, that's a rare pick. I would also go home. Really? Yeah, but almost everyone's gone with away. Um, oh, you need to listen yeah, to the David. Yeah, listen. listen. With two colors on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are such kindred spirits. I'm definitely buying you a beer when we're back in Nottingham. Um, I'm of the old hoopy socks they used to have. They used to drive me nuts, those hoopy socks. Whenever that yellow abomination that looks like it was created by a four-year-old pops up on Twitter yeah. periodically, <laughs> I, I, literally, yeah. it's just involuntary gag reflex. Yeah, um, that wasn't good. Anyway, no. sorry, we digress. This is <laughs> not very quick fire, is it? Sorry. stand or Bridgeford End? Bridgeford End. All right. Any reason? I know it's quick fire, but I'm think, curious. I think now they've got a really good vibe in there. I mean, okay. I, I'm obviously I'm obviously not in there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but from what I hear, it's a really good vibe in there now. So uh, the Fools of Gary Baldy lads have uh, have done a really good job, I think, in in creating more atmosphere at that end of the ground. Oh, it's immense! It's immense. 1979 or 1980? 79. Okay, we are lined up right now, my friend. Okay, this one. This one's ridiculous because you've already told me the answer to this one. So I'm actually throwing a little bit of a kink in here for you to make it a bit more interesting because typically it's one or the other. You're going to have three options here. I still know which one you're going to go for. PVH or Collymore or Graben. <laughs> I'm going to have to say Collymore, aren't I? Yes. I have to wait Absolutely. All right. This is a contentious one. Now this is going to split, split the fan base. Your, your job could be in jeopardy here if you, if you choose the wrong <laughs> one. So. Oh, thanks for that. Robin Hood or Sherwood Bear? Robin Hood. Yes! Get in! <laughs> All right, final one. We are totally lined up. You're the first person that's been totally lined up with me. All right, last one. Here we go. League or Cup? League. Yes! Clean sweep. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, that's made me so happy. Any particular reason? <laughs> well, any, sorry, any particular reason about yeah, it? Yeah, well, you go League well, or the Cup. I mean, that's what, that's what you're judged on. The league is what you judged on. That's that's your bread and butter. That's your. I'm sounding like a football manager now. Aren't I? <laughs> oh, that's horrendous. Um, but you know, there's there is no there is no substitute for for success in the, in the league. That means you're the best over an entire season. Not that you happen to have hit form over potentially five or six matches, and and, and you might have got lucky along the way. Um, 
winning the league is, is what it's all about. Absolutely. So we're recording this on the eve of the Leeds game, Forest Leeds tomorrow. Huge game, arguably the biggest game of the season so far. Uh, I was joking with Colin off mic that outside of my kids and my wife, there is nothing <laughs> that, I, uh, that I could give away that I wouldn't give away tomorrow for three points. I am so desperate for Forrest to get it done tomorrow. Colin, what are your observations on the, uh, the matchup tomorrow? Well, I mean, Forrest's record against Leeds at the city ground is okay. Mm-hmm. That's all right. Um, but I do think Leeds are going to be very fired up for it. They're obviously not in great form at the moment, but they realise they're not in great form and they realise they're going to have to do something about it. It's the start of a really tough week for them. They've got Brentford away and then Bristol City at home. Um, obviously, Forrest have got Charlton at home, then West Brom away. So, it's actually a, a bit of a tough week for, for both clubs. Mm. Uh, both will want to start it on a high um, and it will mean so much to both clubs to, to get the three points. Um, I just hope that, that uh, Forrest don't have any nerves or anything like that, that they don't sort of get overawed by the occasion a little bit and, and, uh, and, and are able to relax. We had a bit of a spell earlier in the season, Forrest, where they they didn't look like they were relaxed at home. It all seemed a bit too much for them. And again, going back to Lanucci, it was one of the things he worked through. I asked him about it afterwards. You know, how did you work through that? He said, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Part of the humility of the guy is part of the attraction, I think. Um, But uh, I mean, he obviously does know. He just didn't want to say. Um, (laughs) But uh, I, I think as long as they can be relaxed tomorrow in front of their own fans and they don't get too tensed up by how important the game it is, uh, then I, I, I can see them getting a, a result. I mean, I don't think a draw would be the end of the world as long as they then followed it up with a win against Charlton in midweek. Mm. Um, you know, if you take four points out of six out of those two games, I think it sets you up quite well to then go to West Brom, where yeah. as an away side, because of the way Forest play away from home, you would fancy them to get something at, at, at the Hawthorns as well. So um, I, I, think, I think it's a tough game for both. We get very... Uh, concerned about the quality of the opposition in, in Leeds and Bielsa coming to the city ground. But let's be honest, they'll be a bit worried about Forrest as well um, because Forrest are, are forced to be reckoned with this season. And it'll be a big game for them as well. And it'll be a tense occasion for them as well. Um, it's just, uh, it's one to keep your heads in. Keep your heads and don't get overawed by the uh, the occasion. I think the thing that makes me nervous, aside from Leeds' obvious quality, is Forrest's ability to implode both after yeah. they scored and late on in games. That's brilliant. Um, that's, that's it. That's, and Leeds have a, have a record here over the last few weeks, right, of coming back strong, I mean, 2-0 down in a couple of games in the last month or so, and they've managed yeah. to find a way. So. Yeah, came back to win 3-2 last week, mm-hmm. didn't they? Was that that's against right. Millwall, I think? Uh, yeah, um, that's right. The night Forrest won at Bradford. Um, so, you're right. I mean, they're, you know, they're a strong side. They're up there, and, and they got so many points early in the season. It's just about helping them through this this dodgy spell that they're having. Um, I, I think it was about this time last year that they started to falter as well, Leeds. So there's that thing in the back of their minds about whether they're starting to run out of steam again and, and the old Bielsa effect where they start really well and then get towards the end of the season and tail off. Um, but again, that just, you know, so many mind games about it, isn't it? Because, if, you know, if I was connected with Leeds, I'd just be even more determined to prove everybody wrong about that and, and, and go out and play even better. So um, I'm not sure you can, you can put much into it. I think it could be a, a strong tactical battle between the two head coaches. I think Lamouche will relish going up against Bielsa. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and, 
And I think it'll be a good game as long as, as I say, the, the occasion doesn't get to either team. You know, if yeah. they both go really tense and, and almost afraid of the occasion, then it, it could uh, end up being a bit of a stalemate. But I don't think that'll happen. I think it be, you know, great atmosphere, full house at the city ground, under the lights, because it's a late kickoff. And it'll just be, I think it'd be terrific. So as we bring this chat to a close then, I've got to ask you, again, for the last 25 plus years, you've been in this unique situation in that you've been the voice of Forrest, you've been at the city ground. Uh, many of your commentaries are iconic. I mean, the, uh, the Lewis McGugan free kick, <laughs> that will stay with me until I'm old and grey. In fact, I, I, was, uh, I was recalling it to a friend the other day and uh, I got properly high-pitched, you'll be glad to hear. I, mean, I, I, I lent into it. Yeah. yeah, I went all the way. It was fantastic. It like a missile, yeah. <laughs> so... I'm going to ask that horrible question that commentators ask players after they score a hat-trick in a World Cup final. You know, yeah. how do you feel? How does it feel to be in that seat behind that mic at the city ground? Some huge nights of the last 25 years. Um, yeah. You know, take yourself away from kind of the analysis of, of, you know, the analysis side of it. Just how does it feel as a Forest fan to be there doing that? Uh, well, as, it, as I started the interview by saying, really, it's, it's kind of humbling. Um, it's, I, I count myself very privileged, very lucky, uh, to, to be in that position and to have been in that position for, for so long. Um, and there are definitely times and have been times over the 25 years where you want to chuck the microphone away and say what you really think. Um, <laughs> but if I did that, then I wouldn't be back in that seat. For the the game. <laughs> so you do have to be a little bit more detached than many of the fans uh, in the grounds, um, and obviously, it, you know, you've got to be professional. But there is there is nothing like, uh, you know, describing a goal. Uh, and if it's a really good goal like that, then it is time to get carried away. And, and that's that's kind of what you know. It, footballers are in it to score goals, and fans are in it to watch goals and to cheer goals, and commentators are in it to commentate on goals and to do it well. <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, that's what it's about. And yes, there's highs and there's lows, but the closest, the, the, the thing I always refer to is the day Forrest got promoted, which, um, uh, into the championship and they came back out of league one. Um, there were, it, it was in the days before a lot of social media apps and stuff like that. So a lot of people still in the ground were listening to the radio, mm-hmm. not only uh, for, for what was happening at the city ground, obviously they could see that, but for what was happening in the other game. That, that mattered, the Cheltenham-Doncaster game. And so because we had, back in the studio here, we had a link direct to, uh, I think it was Radio Sheffield's commentary, we got access to that, what was happening in that game very quickly. And from here, it was passed into my ears in my headphones, and I could relay it to the listeners. So when Cheltenham went in front against Doncaster, um, and Forrest were already ahead in their game, they were the two, those two results would have sent Forrest up. So when I announced that, Cheltenham has scored against Doncaster. It's Cheltenham won Doncaster nil with Forrest already winning. A huge cheer went around the ground. Yeah. It was nothing to do with what was happening in front of everybody. <laughs> and that is the closest as the commentator that I have ever got to the feeling, which I'm sure, um, it, you know, I, I'm sure it's, it, it feels the same when you actually score a goal. So for a commentator to get that huge cheer <laughs> was yeah. the closest I will ever come to experiencing what it's like to score a goal for Forrest. Um, and that, that moment, and that day, generally, I mean, that was, that was a terrific day. Um, 
albeit it was only to get out of the third tier, I know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, we play the cards we're dealt, don't we? So, uh, I, I, you know, that, that was great. And, and that, those kind of moments are really what you're in it for. Um, that particular moment with the score coming in from another ground, that doesn't happen very often. Um, and probably will never happen again because, you know, there's now apps and stuff that people are looking at rather than listening for the latest score on the radio. So, you know, that, that moment may well have been and gone, but hopefully there'll be a few more Lewis McGugan 40-yard free kicks into the top corner before have I'm you, done. Have you ever physically raised out of your seat, particularly when a player's going on a oh, maze, yeah. you run and you're like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. often. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. More, so, more so at the city ground than, than, than away, because often at away games, you're kind of wedged in. You yeah. can't, <laughs> can't really move, but at the city ground, absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously the Lewis McGugan one did. Pretty much any goal against Derby, I'm on my feet. Um, <laughs> Good to and, hear. Uh, yeah, many of them. I mean, the, the bigger the game, the more important it is you know, if there's a playoff goal or something like that, or, you know, a goal that takes you into the playoffs, or to go back to what we were talking about earlier, Chris Cohen's goal to kind of help keep Forrest up that day against Ipswich. If it matters, if it really, really matters, that's the moment to, to really kind of bring it across in my commentary that it matters. So, yeah. Brilliant. Absolutely a few brilliant. more moments that matter. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Well, you have described the moments that have mattered so wonderfully for us and we all appreciate it. Certainly this side of the pond, maybe even more so than the folks back in England because like I said, you're our, you're our connection to to the city ground and to uh, to the boys we follow and we can't thank you enough. I've got to put you on the spot. Final question for us going up this year, Colin. I, I, I want to say yes. I want to say yes. Um, I, they've got the best chance they have for a long, long time. You know me, I don't give short answers. They've <laughs> got the best chance for a long time. Uh, I think the next week is going to tell us an awful lot about whether they're capable of top two. Yeah, or, West or, They're certainly a top six team. Mm. They're certainly a top yeah. six team. Yeah. And therefore, the worst that should happen is playoffs. Um, and I touch wood as I say, everything could implode. You never know in football. Um, but they all season long, they've looked a top six team. Uh, and, and, and if they can get some good results over the next week, then maybe they can have a push for top two. Now, if they get into the top six and if they, if they have to settle for playoffs, then you can't predict it, can you? You just cannot predict it. I mean, history would tell you that Forrest will concede about eight over the two legs of the semi-final and go out because that's just what Forrest do. Um, so it, it really genuinely it is, to, to coin a cliche, it is a, it's a massive lottery. Um, if they get into the playoffs. But that gives them as much chance as anybody else and, and kind of why not, really. Um, certainly top six, so playoffs at worst, and then we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, whether it's playoffs or whether it's top two, uh, you'll be the man weaving <laughs> the narrative for us. You'll be the voice we'll be keenly listening to, as we have done all these years. Colin Frey, it has seriously been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for visiting with us today. It's been a pleasure for me too. Thanks for having me.